Coming up on Guys Talking Sports, we talk about Derek Jeter, the El Capitan, um, the series that is out right now. We're going to talk a little bit about that and how his fit was with the New York Yankees. So we have a lot to discuss there. We're also going to talk about the NFL, all the transactions that took place, all the contracts that were signed. Of course, we talk about the Colin Murray contract. We also talk about some of Baker Mayfield going to Carolina. We talk about Trey Lance now becoming the starter for the San Francisco 49ers. And where does that leave Jimmy G? My co-host, Nice and Smooth, Ace Catwell and Earl Ross join me on Guys Talking Sports. And that begins right now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Guys Talking Sports. We are back and we apologize, but now we are officially back. So without any further ado, we're going to get started. We have a lot to talk about. We've been going. We appreciate all the love and support out there from everyone. Uh, but we have a lot to talk about and a lot to discuss. So we're going to jump right in. And I got my co-host nice and smooth with me. So what's going on, fellas? How you guys doing today? Go first, Buller. Oh, no. No. <laughs> I don't slip, sir. <laughs> I was going to see you going to catch you slipping right on live TV. Um, no, no, podcast. no, no. You no, almost no. did. <laughs> Everything no, is good, man. Everything is good. I'm trying to figure out the brightness on this damn laptop. Outside of that, you know, too hot to be out there in them corners. So uh, I'm chilling. Because we all are chilling at this point. Oh, man, we got a lot to discuss. Uh, a lot of NFL talk that we have to get into, definitely, um, since the last time we spoke. But for right now, let's start with a little bit of baseball. Of course, the El Capitan. We talk about the captain, Derek Cheetah, um, with his um, uh, 30 for 30? No, his... Um, I guess his series. I guess you want to series, yeah. yeah. Thank you, um, the series is out right now. Um, a lot of talk about the Red Sox, his life in general um, as a Yankee. Um, let me get your thoughts. So I'm gonna t- actually I'm gonna jump right into the, our resident Yankee um, expert here, fan slash Yankee aficionado, um, to get his thoughts on if he saw the Capitan series and what's his thoughts on the El Capitan series. First of all, Derek Jeter, uh, he exudes the, the the confidence and the swagger of a, a mulatto American that's out there in them streets. Uh, this is a kid that from birth, not maybe from birth, but as a little kid, always wanted to be a Yankee. Uh, he lived in Kalamazoo, Michigan, but come to find out his grandma and his mother was from Jersey. His grandma was from, you know, lived in Jersey and he used to spend his summers in Jersey and he would wear his Yankee uniform everywhere. And he would tell everybody he's going to be a New York Yankee. And he'd be like, yeah, I'm going to make that happen. And, you know, everybody probably just laughed at him, but yo, the dude is incredible. I mean, this is his worth ethic, his work ethic, I think, I don't know, he is Jordan-esque. I mean, obviously, he's younger than Jordan, so I'd have to say that, you know, he probably, at his age, probably, 
he might have followed Jordan, but Jordan was probably only a couple years older than him at the time, not maybe five or six years older, if that, you know, and to have that type of mentality, like nobody's going to outwork me, nobody's going to be better than me, nobody's going to do X, Y, Z. It's just incredible just to sit there and see how his youth kind of propelled him to where he became a Yankee. And there was a lot of luck with him becoming a Yankee too. Just, you know, I just think that the, the stars aligned and everything worked out for him just to be a Yankee coming out of high school. And it's just incredible just to, to just kind of watch and just see the things that a squeaky clean kid from Kalamazoo who played in the big city of New York and never let nothing slip. Just the image was immaculate. And just to really kind of peel back the layers and see and hear about some of the things that are going on is just incredible. E, I know you can you could back me up on that. Like, who knew that at 23 he was Don, the Prince of New York? Like, for real. Like, I, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, as far as my my knowledge of of um, Derek Jeter was really just him on the Yankees, and you know, I I wasn't always a big follower of baseball, not so much even in you know junior high school, or even high school, really wasn't until I got to college, and that you know coincidentally was a time when that dynasty you know was on and popping. So there's a lot of you know people that I knew you know in college that like the Yankees and when they were winning you know the whole college campus was was losing their damn minds um <laughs> so uh and I didn't understand it and even you know our boy Johnny had to you know really you know kind of kind of watched it with him but it was interesting like you said to peel back the layers to see his upbringing you know where he came from um small town of you know Kalamazoo you know was it Michigan mm-hmm Michigan, yeah, Kalamazoo, Michigan, and um, like you said, he he had a dream of wanting to become a, a Yankees fan. Said that from a very young age. Spoke it into reality. Um, thankfully, none of the other teams I was ahead of them drafting him, and he all right. passed up on other folks. But um, he wound up with the Yankees, and it was interesting to see his the genesis, the birth of him. You know, in the minors, where you know he said he was terrible, <laughs> and then to see how you know he got the confidence in himself. His game started getting better, starting to hold in the skills and eventually went from, you know, single, double, triple A and eventually got called up and, you know, was a little shaky in the beginning, you know, but, you know, eventually went on after his first full year, which I guess we'll see in episode three and four, where he won his first world series and, you know, the back and forth between him and, Cashman, and you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how the story progresses. Like you said, I didn't know about him hanging out with Diddy, and you know, right. back in the day when Diddy was when the real bad boy ran New York, you know, right. <laughs> how he did not get caught up in all the shenanigans with all the the hoors that was out there is amazing. But um, yeah. you know, what's, re what's really crazy is that that story he told when Diddy told him to, to come to the club that night when J Lo was with him. And he's like, now nah, I got a game that night. You know, the next morning he went home to go to sleep and come to find out that was the night that Diddy had that shootout outside of the club. And to think Jeter would have been mixed up in all that if he was there. 
just like, you know, he just makes all the right decisions, it seems as though, so far within the the confines of the, of the series. It, it's just crazy. Like, he said that back in the day, he said if if social media was what it is back then, he said he said he would have been all in the tabloids and all that type of crap. He said back then people was just having a good time and partying. Wasn't, wasn't nobody concerned about who was in the club and doing all that type of stuff. This well, it's crazy how things have changed in the past twenty or twenty five years. Yeah, a couple of and he said he was going to clubs, you know, every night, which I didn't, I didn't know. But I mean, back right. then you're young, you know, it was the it was the um, middle middle to late nineties. You know, the scene in New York was was really killer. I mean, hell, I mean, a couple of them clubs he name dropped, <laughs> we we been to, so uh, we, we've seen some stuff. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he had a he had a, he was you know dying the prince and you know it's just very interesting to see really that the backstory behind him and kind of know a little bit more about him, his family, his parents, his sister, which you really don't hear too much about. I've seen her and his parents at some games before, but just to really get the real backstory about him, which he keeps pretty guarded and for right. a good reason. Right, but I mean, I love the director. Uh, they, I watched the pre-show. I don't remember his name. But I love the director, how he's really trying to identify Jeter as African American, like he is black, and he's playing the music that he's playing. Is this Spike uh, Lee that was just directing it? No, no, some young young cat. Oh, okay. Some young cat. It might be a Spike Lee joint, but it might there's some young cat that's behind the scenes. Oh, okay, that is gotcha, making gotcha. sure um, infusing a lot of hip hop and. Just letting you know that yes, you know, yes, his he comes from a biracial family, but he is definitely a black man. And you know, it's just they in one of the scenes they were playing uh Shake Your Ass Girl, the, the club joint. <laughs> I was like, I was like, okay. I, I didn't catch that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's in the second episode. Yeah, I mean they was playing some some club yeah. and some house music up in that joint. I was just like Yo, this is pretty wild. It's pretty dope, you know, especially because they're portraying him as young. And that was like the hot music that was going on back then, especially in New York for African-Americans, you know. So it was really, really cool to kind of see that side of Jeter that you would, you probably would never see. I, I don't think he would come out and just say, this is who I was back when I was 23 years old as a rookie playing for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. But it was also interesting how they showed when he was up from that uh, when the Yankees lost to the Mariners in that one postseason, and that uh, he came up in September and just had like one at bat, and how he was like the biggest cheerleader in the uh, in the locker room, <laughs> and everybody was just like, "Who is this cheering for me?" Like he's always the first one up to greet people, and how he identified that as saying like he was really pissed that they lost though he never even played a game. And he said, this ain't never going to happen again. And he went out there and was on a mission. And I thought that was just really cool just to kind of see how all that, especially how they talked about with the 95 season, how that was the strike season and how Don uh, Don Manley was poised. And the Yankees were really poised to make some noise that that particular season. And it got cut short. And then Manley playing in that last season, and that was his first taste of the playoffs. Like that was just really like wow, you know, just to kind of see, to see all that, you know, 
And as a Yankee fan, you know, you tend to be you can you can get emotional because you're you're you remember being on an emotional journey as a fan and kind of experiencing those highs and lows, especially when you especially with the Yankees being world champions like they are, and it was like twenty some odd years between the last one in the seventies and the one that won in ninety six. You know, so like you said, when you were you know, when you were in school. The Yankees ain't seen something like that in a long time, so they were thirsty. And any any little excitement that they had, it was just it was just great to see, and it was just really great to relive. Yeah, I mean, um, I, you know, that this episode three is going on right now. Episode four is going to be after that, so I definitely have that stuff on record. So uh, I look forward to watching it. it. It's um very interesting and um very interesting to see. I mean, they've done a series about you know, Daryl Strawberry and Doc Good and two guys, you know, for, you know, the Mets who were, you know, I don't want to say have similar backgrounds, but the way they came into the league, you know, and being the young gunners, how their paths went left while Derek Jeter, you know, stayed on the straight and narrow. So, I mean, it was just interesting to see how their careers differed and how it would have been if Doc and you know, and Straw had a you know stayed on the straight and narrow, and that got right. caught in all the, you know the 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 high life and you know the partying and stuff in New York because it can get to you. <laughs> right. Many think, stars came to many players came to New York and couldn't handle it. Right, and I think uh, Strawberry even mentioned that Jeter like looked up to him as a big brother, and he even pulled to, pulled him to the side. And was like, "Lie, look, you can get caught up in all this madness. Look at me, me and Straw, you know, me and Doc." You know, we're we're hanging on to the Yankees just so we can w- win a World Series ring. And they both did, Yeah. you know. But it's like the things that they could have done on their own with the Mets if, like you said, if they would have just stayed, stayed clean and then get hooked on the Coke. You know, it's crazy what Coke can do to you. It's, it, all those highs, but them lows are so much more low than highs, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Took a lot of took a lot of good baseball away. Yeah, you know. So, nah, I completely agree with you. <laughs> um, <laughs> nah, but the thing but about really, you you really should if you have some time, like when you're working, just have it playing in the background. It's a really really compelling because I mean, yes, yeah, baseball and all that, but it's really compelling to kind of hear all that other stuff. So it's it's really cool. You should uh should give it a listen. Yeah. No, but the thing, <laughs> I think what it is is that, and like you said, it's, you know, fans, of course, is going to always watch um, this because it's, it's a compelling um, series. Um, I think that overall from like a casual fan or from a baseball fan who is not a Yankees fan, um, I think it'll give them a different perspective of how the Yankees were um, and give a sense of more respect with mutual um, respect for um, Derek Jeter as a whole, how he incorporated certain things in his lifestyle and while he was a New York Yankee. So I think that it'll help not put the Yankees as always the villain, um, shed a little bit of light on the New York Yankees from the people who don't know the Yankees or are not a fan um, to get a better understanding of what the right way was with Derek Jeter and why so many people um, have so much respect and love for Derek Jeter. And I think that is, is something that everybody should watch um, to get a sense of understanding of what the, the true definition of a captain is. 
Uh, so uh, I, I do have it on record. I just don't. It's in my queue. <laughs> I should say. Right. <laughs> no, seriously, I do. I do have it in my queue. Um, but I do want because in hearing some of the, um, I guess the excerpts, the the snippets of what I heard, um, I definitely am intrigued about the time the time his stories about the um, Boston Red Sox, if anything. Um, that history, I am very intrigued in listening to what he has to say about that. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's going to be interesting. Yeah, but I will say this before before before, uh, before we roll to the next topic. When I was in college in nineteen ninety, show my age back in ninety six. <laughs> when they won the, um, I guess that was the. F- First World Series that they had won in, in quite some time. Right, twenty so many years, right. And when Judah was on there, I remember when they won it, I was walking through the walking through the quads, I think, going to a library or something. And all of a sudden I'm walking. And I know they were playing, but I just wasn't really watching. And when I say when they won all the fools in their lost they ever loving minds, not to stereotype all the white and Hispanic people lost their damn minds. But they were outside throwing stuff around Yankee shirts on. I was like, really? Seriously? <laughs> man, man. I, I remember. I, had, I just really had no. I knew the Yankees and they were playing, you know, the guys, but you, I just didn't really conceptualize because I really didn't follow baseball. I can't remember where exactly I was in 96 because around uh, September, October 96, I had just crossed into the frat. Who knows? We could have been at Morgan. We could have been going all over the place uh, at that particular time. But I do remember them winning, and I remember just kind of be like, yeah, you know, talking shit to Tasheen and and, and, and a lot of others, because, you know, the, con- the contingency of New Jersey New Yorkers out in the WVU is real high. And I'm not just talking with black folk, I'm talking about everybody. Yeah. And um, there was a lot of Mets fans out there, so you know I had to talk smack and let them know who the real king of NY was. You know, because at that time, the last team in New York that won a World Series was the Mets. So we had to put this to rest. Like, we back, you know. The sister, you know, the little brothers of the poor, take your rightful seat in the back. We we, we back, and, you know, then the dynasty started. So it was great. It was just great to be a Yankee fan back then. I mean, it's still great to be one now, but but eh, that, 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 yeah, yeah, you shush. That, uh, <laughs> That dynasty run was incredible, man. Three, three World Series. Right. Repeat. Yeah, that, 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 our run in the 90s was really, really nice. Really nice. But for those of you who haven't watched it yet, or at least go on YouTube and find the uh, the prelude to it, where it's like a 20 or 25-minute video of just everything that's leading up into the series. It kind of gives you little snippets of everything that kind of takes place. It's really interesting to kind of see that. And then if, if that doesn't pique your interest, if that doesn't pique your interest, then cool. But at least you'll get an idea of what is all going on in, in a particular series. Yeah. And I hate the fact you got to wait every Thursday to watch it. And not so much every Thursday, dude. You got to wait till like Thursday at 9 or 10 o'clock before it even airs. <laughs> mm. Like, I got to watch this tomorrow while I'm doing nothing at work. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you want to say that live. Um, <laughs> <you know>. uh, <laughs> oh, 
Well, I'll be doing something. You know, maybe I'm a lunch break. <laughs> yeah, but it's definitely an intriguing series that if you haven't checked out, please, you should go check it out. Um, get a sense of learning a little bit about the history of Derek Jeter and the Yankees as well. Um, we could continue talking about the series, um, but we do have a lot of NFL that we have to get started and talking on. Um, there's a lot of transactions, a lot of changes, a lot of contracts being signed with clauses all over the place. Um, so let's work our way back. Um, so let's start with the recent news. Kyler Murray, of course, um, receiving his contract, but with an actual clause in the contract where he will have to study, I believe it's four hours a week um, of football play. Uh <laughs> Um, that clause, I mean, he did sign it, so, but that is a clause in place. Uh, so let me get your thoughts about this Kyler Murray contract, um, about the clause that was added. Uh, quite frankly, do you see a problem with it? <laughs> I do. And before I get to that part of the contract, uh, okay. I'm not 100% sold on the fact that Kyle Murray may be well worth all the money that they're giving him. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Um, just to say the least, because he's a he, he, he's a, he's a guy that gets nicked up, and you know he's he's hot in the beginning of the season, but he always gets nicked up and cools off by mid mid season, and question marks whether he plays at the end of the season. But but that's my personal opinion. I'm not sure, and I don't think the Arizona Cardinals really, really, really wanted to give him that money, but they were might have been caught between the proverbial rock and a hard place. So, kind of damn if they do, damn if they don't kind of situation. So, right. but um, in my opinion, I have a problem with it enough that he signed the contract because that's telling. And I know he got there and made this. He got there on the podium today and made his comments and saying anybody that thinks I don't study is disrespectful, blah, yada, 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 yada. But then why did he put that in the contract? They didn't, they didn't just pull this out the friggin' air. No one has this, as far as we know, clause that they're mandating at least four hours, not in the stadium, not in practice, at home. <laughs> And apparently the, the the tablet, whatever he gives them, can tell whether or not he just has it on and, and not really paying attention. Or you know, I guess a tablet, you know, can can calculate or tabulate the activity and how he's and if he's breaking down the film, which is really interesting. I'm curious about the software they got to to can you know do that. I have an idea of what it is, but I'm curious which one they're using. Anyway, um, the fact of the matter is they have to put that in a contract. That's problem one, which means you, no matter how you try to slice it on the podium, you got a problem. Now, Cliff Kingsbury said he had nothing to do with negotiations and he was just an active standby. The only way the GM and the owner allowed that verbiage in a contract is that they had to get it from somebody. You either got it from your QB coach, the offensive coordinator, or the coach. They got it from one one of three. They might have got it from all three because only the coach is going to have the authority to, to tell the GM and the owners that information. So, mm -hmm. so it's a telling sign, boy. You don't 
You don't do your homework. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, don't get mad now that it's got leaked to the media and folks are, you know, you just got exposed. I mean, yes, you're an electrifying QB. Yes, you, I think was what I, if I had to guess, and trust me, I'm no offensive coordinator. He's probably one of those types of jokers that probably can is is a a product of the air raid, and is a product of one read type passes. And if that particular read isn't open, he probably doesn't really know how to really go through his progressions very well. And maybe that's what they're trying to say. It's not that he doesn't study his playbook, but he does have some really dynamic receivers. So, you know, maybe more times than not, his first read may be open, especially when you have uh, when you have somebody as – what's the, the receiver's name? Um, I can't think of his name right now. Their number one target. Uh, he's suspended, obviously, but – who? Oh, you, I, I can't hear you. You mean Hopkins? Yeah. Yeah, Hopkins. Right. Oh, Hopkins. Yeah. Right. Um, and you have, like, arguably the one of the top wide receivers in the game. It, it makes it kind of easy when it's your primary target. And a lot of times with tight ends now in the league, just like with uh, – with, uh, damn, I'm just really drawing, drawing blanks all over the place today. QB for the Ravens. Um, Lamar Jackson. Yeah, there we go. Uh, you know, his <laughs> tight end, Mark Andrews, is his safety net. And a lot of the times tight ends in a lot of these offenses tend to be open. So when you have to now utilize other wide receivers when your top target is out and you don't necessarily know how to read your progressions very well, what happens? You tend to scramble. You tend to get, like you said, you tend to get nicked up. And his his progress and his play tends to slip after so many games. True. So maybe that's what I'm thinking. He's been benefit. He he's had the benefit of having arguably one of the best receivers in the game, and now he's out for the first six games, four to six games. What is he going to do if uh, Hollywood Brown, who now is hurt right now due to hamstring, is not even practicing, and they lost their other? I think they lost their slot receiver in. Um, in the off season. So I think they lost Christian Kirk. So then what are you supposed to do when you don't have a true number one and you really now got to read the field? So I think that's where they're, that's what I have to guess that that's where they're coming from. As far as, you know, you need to study because your safety blanket ain't there. And they know, and a lot of teams know, I mean, even like with the Ravens, Everybody knows Lamar Jackson loves Mark Andrews, but somehow or the other, because of Lamar's running ability, Mark Andrews still tends to be wide open because you don't know what Lamar's going to do. But with with uh, Murray, uh, uh, Kingsbury, uh, Kingsbury is not necessarily trying to make him a mobile or a running QB. He's trying to make him more of a pocket passer but didn't have the ability to run. So the styles of play – are totally different. So I think that cornerbacks now will have a better uh, a better chance of stopping these receivers because they're not as dynamic as a Hopkins. But uh, what do I know? I'm just an armchair quarterback just like everybody else. 
or armchair coach. Um, overall, I think that, to be honest, I, I think the more is more so they they. I put it like this: contracts are there for a reason. Um, there's stipulations on every contract, no matter what. Um, if you have incentives, you would do what is necessary to get those incentives. So, as far as the contract is concerned, about him studying four hours, like to be honest, it should be easy enough. Like all you have to do is just really study the film for four hours. Like you could do something like that. The fact of the matter is that it was put on and put out in the open. I think it was that. I think that's what's alarming. Because um, right now it just seems though that they don't have the confidence of where you are right now. I'm not saying that you can't grow. Um, but at this particular point, you should be in a position where you're better off than where you are if you would put the time in to study. So it's a catch-22. Like, if don't always take it as a negative. Take it as if they value me that this much, just imagine what I can do if I put in more time in study films or, or studied playbooks or, you know, I'm wondering what I can do. What is my growth? What is my ceiling? And they feel as though that they will give you the, the contract that you need, you know, what they're a contract that quite frankly, like Smooth said, they were in a in a catch twenty-two. Um, they really didn't have any other options at that point. So why not just put your eggs in this basket, do what is necessary, and maybe after this season, you'll see how much better you are, even if once you put in that time in. So I think it's a risk for both, not just Kyla, but for the organization as well, because they're putting their eggs in Kyla Murray and saying, hey, look, we're going to invest in you, but you need to do this. And if you do this, just how look how well, look how the team can flourish as long as you put in this little bit amount of time of study. So I think it's overall that how it got out is unfortunate, but it doesn't it doesn't change anything. Like You still have work to do. Yeah, I mean, it, it's embarrassing enough that that kind of information got leaked out. And if you really had a problem with the wording of the contract or the verbiage in there, then you would have been screaming bloody hell when they presented the contract to you. I mean, right. no matter how much money you're going to get at the signing um, or how much a contract is, I mean, you'd be like, I'm not signing that with that in there. And that could have been, right. you know, their claws way out. But for, like I said, for them that to have to stipulate that, it's problematic enough. And um, it's not only just embarrassing for Kyler Murray, but it's embarrassing for the Cardinals that you don't have that kind of faith in your QB that you have to put that in the contract. And it's my understanding also that he is a very huge gamer. You got to yes. remember, yes. he's like 20, 20, 24. Yeah. You know. And if it, it, crazy thing about it is, it's it's no different than him with DeAndre Ayton in Phoenix. You know, they talk about he could be great, but he doesn't want to put the work in because he's gaming. <laughs> we got to remember sometimes that these kids are kids, though that twenty four ain't necessarily a kid. But you know, he's you're a kid, but when you're but but when you're getting you know the keys to the kingdom as a quarterback, and you're getting a 200 or whatever million dollar contract, 160 or whatever it is at the signing bonus. Yeah. You're no kid. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. But like you said, Smooth, it goes back to they offered the contract to him. So like they could have easily been like, look, let's let's talk this through. 
Like, let's work it out. I mean, they offered the contract. Kyler Murray, yeah, he signed it. But I, I think that overall what it is is this, just the simple fact is, is that at this end of the day, I agree, they're not ready for him to be completely – that leadership is not there for the, for the, at least from Kyler's standpoint. Um, the organization don't deem Kyler as a leader at this stage because if that was the case, that cause wouldn't be in there to begin with. And it's unfortunate, to be honest, because I think that this is more of him just maturing in the in the NFL. That's really what it bottles down to. And once he matures in the NFL, they'll see the results of his maturity when he's studying and when he's actually, you know, working on not just one receiver, but working on multiple reads and who to pass to when he's in a jam instead of running all the time. But my thing is, how from a player and, and Adrian, you can uh, contest with this, you know, every time he misses an assignment, misses a read, doesn't throw the ball or misses, cause a bad play, you know, misses the, the coverage that was easily there. How the players going to be like, man, did you study over the weekend? Did you get your four hours of studying? They're going to be clowning the hell out of him every time something goes bad. And it might not always be his fault, but it's always going to come back to the, the QB. And it's not going to be the players. It's going to be fans. It's going to be sports characters are going to rip them. Did you study? Did you right. study? <laughs> now, 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 here's the bigger question. And I hate to do this, but, you know, you got to look at one side. Well, let's look, let's look at the flip. Does Joe Burrow, like, Joe Burrow could be the biggest game in the world, too. But Joe Burrow has plenty of talent around him, too. But Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow. And then let's take a look at the kid in uh, San Diego. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Um, Herbert. Yeah. Again, young kid. He probably games like everybody else because he grew up in that era. You know, he has some dynamic weapons on his on his team as well. I'm not. I'm not trying. I'm not trying to go there. But do you think that when it's time for Burrow and it's time for Herbert, you know? Will they throw some silly, stupid clause like that in their contract? And Herbert hasn't done anything more than Kyler. Uh, to be honest, if that was the case, they would have done it already. I think that the organization is completely, you know, satisfied with the progress that Joe Burrow or Herbert made mm-hmm. at this point. I don't think that the Cardinals is completely satisfied with where Kyler Murray is. And I think that they believe that he should be in the top discussion as one of the top quarterbacks in this NFL right now at the young age of where he is. But the problem is, is that obviously they see signs of something where he has not elevated himself. So that's probably one of the reasons why they have the clause intact. I'm not knocking the fact that they put the clause in because if they see great value in him and he's underachieving where they feel as though that he can do so much more, then by all means, do what you have to do because you know, it's a business. But the thing about it is, is that if you're going to do that, then it shouldn't have never gotten leaked out. I think that's really, the, which goes back to what I believe is the biggest issue, the fact that it got leaked out. And like I said before, there's so many clauses. I'm pretty sure that there's clauses on other um, players' contracts that, of course, you know, you can, like, for example, like 
and you know, we could talk a little bit more about it later, but NBA, like Zion Williamson signed an extension contract, but he has to be at a, a ideal weight limit. Um, come to find out. So there are so many different clauses out there that are out there. It's just a matter of it being leaked out the, in a right way or a wrong way. Some people, something like this, everybody's going to take it as the wrong way because it goes a negative against Colin Murray. Right. Yeah. And um, just to finish up on this, I, to answer your point, Ace, I don't think so. And you haven't had anybody up to this point that we are even aware of that had that clause in their contract to sign. I, I agree with you. I don't see, I haven't heard anything about Joe Burrows, Mac Jones, or anybody. Hell, even Daniel Jones. Jeez. <laughs> but, um, contract year too. Right. Yeah. So, um, but this goes, it goes back to preparation and, um, and you're taking the game seriously. And um, it's also, I don't like the fact that that language got put in a contract out, like you said, A, that it got out, but B, the contract and that language being to a person of color who happens to be a QB for the Cardinals. Now, we always had the stipulation that a, all, a lot of QBs of color all rely on their athleticism. You know, they might not be smart enough to read the playbook. We always heard of the Wonderlick scores and all this stuff when it comes to the combine. Something like that, I'm hoping it's just a one-off in this case, but also will give some people um, more ammunition to say that QBs of color might not be able to want to read the playbook or might not be able to recognize coverages or might not take the stuff home to study. Now, you could have other QBs no matter the color, but I hate the fact that it got tacked on his jacket as a QB of color, and then the fact that it got out. And it, and it doesn't help that he's not your average height QB. And, you know, and it doesn't help that he was picked 1-1 overall. And it doesn't help that the Cardinals drafted a QB in the first round the year before and said, screw that, and we're going to go after him. And then it makes them look really bad if said QB that they didn't even give a chance to develop and they just tossed to the, tossed to the side and they turn around and go to this guy and he just turns out to be an average QB. And it sets them back so many years because they could have had different players drafted at different times to help the organization be better than what it is. Yeah, true. And quite frankly, the one, per the one person that I would be completely – not sure, but the one person that should be in complete turmoil about this is the QB coach, because right now it shows that you're not really doing any. It, all those years you had Colin Murray, like what is it that you have done to help him progress? And when a contract like no, 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 I agree with you, but I think that goes on uh, Kingsbury too, because you got to remember he was a QB at Texas Tech. It's his damn offense that uh, Kyler's running. I just wanted to put that out there. Yes, that is true. Which goes, uh, again, the QB coach and the head coach should have some type of, some type of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Ownership of this as well. Um, I think that that is something that needs to be addressed as well because, quite frankly, you can't ex expect, all, the, the expectations should be 
not just from the quarterback, but from the QB coach and the head coach as well, to the point where if you're putting this offense together, you should be doing whatever you can to help bring this offense to the next level, especially as a head coach. That is something that you put together. So you should be doing whatever it takes to help Kyler Murray. And starting off with a contract clause, even if that contract clause wasn't even in place, like that should be something that you should be focusing on with Kyler Murray. Like, hey, look, you know, put some time in to study what I'm trying to tell you or these playbooks, put some time in. Like, I, I get that the fact that, you know, you want them to be adults and everything, but this is also your coaching career on the line as well. Well, I would say it is. Lamar Jackson, you're obviously next man up. <laughs> you're going through contract negotiations. I, 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 I pray to the holy heavens we don't see that language <laughs> in your contract. Nah. They ain't going with that. Because Lamar is already – Lamar is already won MVP. Lamar finally won a playoff game. So he's progressing. You know, last year was not that great of a season for him. But as far as the Ravens' offense, if he could just develop a little bit more of a, of a more vertical threat of a passer, Lamar will be crazy. Because, let me ask you. Uh, okay. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, let me ask you this question. Do you think that going forward and when it comes to rookie quarterbacks or – Quarterbacks that's just being – yeah, rookie quarterbacks or first-year quarterbacks. You think that going forward, that's, these type of clauses is going to be added to these contracts going forward? Uh, I don't think – I don't think mandatory study time will come into their first contract. But I think they will evaluate them and see how they – their work ethic and how they kind of go about, you know, handling themselves on a gridiron and off the field will determine whether or not they want to put something like that in, in, in the contract, you know, uh, yeah. because if they see the potential, like, like, like both of you were saying, if you see the potential, you know, you could quietly say, I'm putting this in there. Just like they put, you know, like for NBA players, they put no motorcycles in the contract because of Jay Williams, um, you know, and, and Ben Roethlisberger, when he got into his accident, luckily for him, he didn't really get hurt. Um, too too bad, but you know you don't play basketball in the off season because you could tear your Achilles or mess up your knee, or you can't go parasailing or surfing or any of these type of things because you know your intellectual property of a of a of a general manager and a and a uh, and an owner of a particular sports team or a governor. You know I don't want to say owner, whatever they want to call themselves now, whatever. Um, and technically, you're the reason why people come to games to watch because they want to see you, and you can't be doing stuff in the off season to hurt yourself. Well, then you say, "Well, gaming, I ain't hurting myself. I'm just gaming." But if you're, when you can get a scholarship to college to, to game, this shit is serious. <laughs> I mean, that's all I'm saying. If you could put in the hours to be good enough in video games to get a scholarship to go to a university or a college then you know gaming is some serious shit. And some some folks are just addicted to it. You know, like, and I'm not saying he's addicted, but I did hear that he he loves gaming. <laughs> and, you know, hell, I love gaming. I, I just don't do it on hours and hours on end. You know, it's a nice, nice way to unwind, but you don't see me getting off of work and 
plopping down and turning on the Xbox. <laughs> well, you got to understand, he is, he is a little bit younger than where we are right now. And, in the offseason, they have way more time in their hands. Than exactly. Exactly. I mean, come on. We think about it when we yeah, never mind. I'm not gonna bring I'm not gonna mention well, that. I'm not gonna mention it. You be the tech mobile, you know how we used to get well, that. Yeah, agree, agree, agreed. It was fun, you know, it was it was really fun. And I'm not saying I ain't knocking it, but you know, the the way technology is set up nowadays, the way that you can sit there and game like with us when we did tech mobile. Damn it, there was a cutoff at like 12 or 1 o'clock because we were getting sleepy. Like, nobody's going to sit there and, you know, wake, well, though we did wake, us, wake each other's up. I was about to say that. Yeah, I got <laughs> woken up to play once. <laughs> <laughs> but that's because we didn't have any other time to play. But I mean, but think about it now when you have the online connectivity and you could be playing 3 o'clock in the morning here versus somebody in Korea and you could be gaming all night and not even know that you gamed all night. True. And it's so yeah. simple to do it. You know, so I don't know. It could it could be a problem. Look, DeAndre Ayton. I hear that's that's one of the biggest issues with the Suns. That that dude is just a gamer. Don't want to put in no work. Well, you can't regulate gaming, but I, I, I but I I think Al to answer your question, it could be a one off. But all it takes is one person to put the contract out there, one person to sign it, and if one team can do it and the person signs it and they have a, an insane amount of money on there, then it could happen again. All it takes is one team. And and the reason why I'm saying that is because with so much in the NFL, there's so much stuff that goes on behind the scenes outside of the, the actual gaming that we talk about all the time. Like some of the stuff that are always, yeah, see, uh, some of the stuff that is always like we talk about like off off the field stuff, like even stuff where people get arrested for um, those type of things. Like that's why I'm asking about the clauses because um, I believe that somewhere down the road, these NFL teams is going to put those type of clauses in contracts where if somebody messes up or whatever the case may be and or have been a habitual um, person that's gone to jail or whatever the case may be, maybe somewhere down the road, they'll put it in a clause where they could terminate that person's contract. Oh, shit. Well, you know the NFL terminate contracts at the drop of a dime. Well, yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying is it also gives them an out where it could also tell that player, hey, you really need to stay on the, the, the narrow path. I think this opened up a door for these type of look at it, look, nah, these type of negotiations going forward. Most definitely. I, I, I can almost bet that there's probably additional wording in this in this contract where if he doesn't complete his four hours of study time, I don't know if it's daily or weekly or whatever it is, but if he doesn't do it, he probably's gonna get fined. They probably just didn't say anything. They probably didn't leak that it's in there. No, they said it, it it's in there. They didn't say the they give the, the exact number. wording. Right. But they saying that if he finds out that he's not doing what he's said he's going to do, then he would be in breach of said contract, and the Cardinals can then get out of said contract. See, and now it, now it puts Kyler back up against the wall. You know, so and and, and you know the NFL; these teams have the sophisticated money where it's probably. Embedded in, in, not embedded, um, integrated in the system where it probably has to be Kyler Murray's eyeballs that are on the screen to identify that it's him looking at it. 
you know, because I know that technology is out there. So it's like he can't even sit there and say, well, give it to the dog to look at while I'm going to get this game in or give it to my girlfriend. Like, nah, dude, this that wasn't you. You know, so it's it's out it's, there. It's <laughs> out there. That's mm-hmm. a way, but there's yes. multiple ways. <laughs> All I'm saying is Kyler's just stuck. He's he might as well if, if if the game is on Sunday, come Tuesday, he might as well just go ahead and put his four hours in so that he can game the rest of the week. Just knock it out one time. Or we'll do two hours, two nights and be done with it, dude. You can do it on a way on a flight, like going to whatever the away games. Like mm-hmm. Like he could easily do it. That's why I'm like, like, I get that you're a gamer, but it's not like you game as soon as you get out of the. I mean, out of the game and you get dressed. It seems like you're just automatically gaming. Like there's plenty of opportunity where you can just study, like on the ride to the airport, for example, on the airplane, for example. So there's plenty of opportunities, and I think that four hours should be easy enough for him just to take the time to to, to focus on those type of things and not just always about gaming or anything else at the moment. Well, look, he made a big stink about the whole contract negotiations and everything to get to this point. So look, they gave you a contract you got your money, you signed it. Just do the damn work. Did, did you see the press conference he put on today? Yeah, I saw that. I was like, really, dude, come on. <laughs> he had to, you know, I don't like to read my resume, but you know, I did win all my games in high school and, uh, I did win the Heisman Trophy, and I am a two-time Pro Bowler, and I am Offensive Player of the Year, or Rookie Offensive Player of the Year. Athleticism only <laughs> takes you, but so far in the NFL at the QB level. Yep, he tried. <laughs> he tried. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's let's get past Kyler Murray because we talked about him to death at this point. Uh, so let's talk about the San Francisco 49ers now naming Trey <laughs> Burke. As their QB one uh, <laughs> starter for now, for now, they told Jimmy G to go sit in the corner, dog. Go sit in the really corner. That in so many words. Um, right now, <laughs> <laughs> you bucket. <bugging. laughs> they came out the press conference and said, "For real, yeah, trade number one. Yeah, we sorry, but you know, this is this what it is." We're going to trade you, though. Thank you. you. Come to practice. We'll pay you. You know what I'm saying? But you, you got to go. And so, go. and so I'll let you talk about that now. <laughs> First of all, I'm not, I'm not a Jimmy G hater. I think Jimmy G is a very serviceable quarterback. Um, Wait, I just don't. Did you I, say I, that? Yeah, I, I look. I know I've said some some pretty negative things about him. Yo, you and said I, that you so <laughs> trade him for yes. a bag of skittles. You compared yes, him. Yes, yes, I did say that. And then, and that's probably what the Niners is going to get at this point. <laughs> so my, my my dream might come true. Um, no, I mean he's sort he's good. Like I, I think I think a team like Houston, um, or a team that's probably like fringe that can maybe win seven or eight games with the QB that they have, but maybe if they have some pretty decent talent on the offensive side of the ball and a, and a halfway decent defense, Jimmy G might be able to get them two or three more wins on top of the wins that they're projected to win and could possibly get them into the playoffs. But it's obvious that he's he's decent, but I don't think he's the type of – he's not the QB that's going to sit there and lead you to a Super Bowl. 
I mean, the Trent Dilfer's of the world, when he, he led the, the Ravens to that Super Bowl, it wasn't damn Trent Dilfer. Hell to the no. It was that damn defense. And uh, the, the running back at the time uh, that the Ravens had that won that, and he was a game manager. He was expected to get 120 to 150 yards passing. Jimmy G is much better than that. But when it comes down to it, the, honestly, the 49ers should have beat the Ravens in that Super Bowl with Jimmy G. Um, was it the, was it the Ravens? I think so. I mean, uh, um, no. It was, uh, oh, Denver. The Chiefs, right, 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 right. The Chiefs. The Niners should have won that game. And that one play when when Jimmy G overthrew the wide receiver in the fourth quarter, that was the game-winning touchdown. Now, again, I'm not saying, you know, every quarterback is very much accurate all the time when it comes to deep passes. But there were a lot of passes that if he could have done over, I'm sure he would have liked to have had some of those passes over because I think he could have done better. But it just goes to show in that entire playoff run, the Niners won in spite of Jimmy G. They didn't win because of Jimmy G. You know, he did enough to carry, but it was other factors that propelled the 49ers to get to the Super Bowl. And he just was average as a QB. Now, Trey Lance being a quarterback gives the 49ers some options, gives the 49ers uh, some dynamics that didn't, that Jimmy G couldn't offer. Not to say that he didn't, he couldn't have been that dude until he hurt his... Uh, he tore his ACL running a rock that one game, like the third game of one one season, and he was out for the rest of the year. So he had some wheels, but obviously once you get hurt, and that, you know, you mess up your knee, that's that's a wrap. Look at RG3. He was never the same after he, he screwed his knee up. Um, but I, I, can only, I can only say thank you to Jimmy G. That, you know, he he won games. I, I will say that. He definitely won games. But is this time to – you don't – you don't draft a quarterback that high and don't play him. The only, I mean, the only QB that's ever sat that was drafted in the first round, but was uh, Aaron Rodgers, but he was picked like 24th. Mm-hmm. So, and he sat for so many years behind a Brett Favre, but damn it, that's Brett Favre. <laughs> you know, Jimmy G ain't no Brett Favre. So, thank you, Jimmy G. Let's see what Trey Lance can do. You know, I saw some clips. Granted, he's out there in shorts and a helmet. They ain't telling me nothing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> in the games he did play last season, he looked okay. You know, the offense was very vanilla, but it was more geared towards Jimmy G more than Trey Lance. But I'm curious to see what Shanahan and the offense have up their sleeve as far as plays and dynamics and what they plan to do and how they plan to go about it. Because I can honestly see them running a a Ravens type of an offense. But Trey Lance is supposed to be more accurate than Lamar Jackson. And if you have an accurate QB running the eight, the Ravens offense, and the defense you already know is, 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 is above average, I think the 49ers could make some real damage going into the season if Trey Lance is the real deal and cuts down and minimizes the mistakes and doesn't put the 49ers in bad positions, then sky's the limit for the team. Hey, I mean, you said it perfectly. You don't trade away all picks, high picks, first round picks to move all the way up to get Trey Lance. And I, and I thoroughly thought it was, it was going for, for, for Mac Jones. And, um, um, but they went for Trey Lance and not start him. So Jimmy G knew his time was up. Um, 
Yes. Um, is Jimmy G a good quarterback? Yes. Is he probably much more of a system quarterback? Yes. But he did beat Mr. Aaron freaking Rodgers twice in the, in the playoffs over the last three to four years. And he's got you guys to one Super Bowl. Did lose. Got you to one NFC Championship game. He did lose. But it's a lot more than a lot more QBs in this league ha- have gotten up to this point. Um, yeah, what, what else are we going to say from San Francisco 49ers? You got, had to start the kid. Um, would we have preferred to see a little bit more from him? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be an unknown commodity, but hopefully the Shanahan's, you know, know what they're doing and they've seen enough of his kid in practice. He could wind up being like Patrick Mahomes and come out and just light it up. I mean, right. sometimes you just don't know. And Jimmy G has been a good quarterback and has gotten the 49ers. The last QB that got the 49ers into Super Bowl was um, Kaepernick. <laughs> and it, and it, it didn't work out well, and they let go. But still, the kid better – that's a lot of pressure to put the kid on. Um, if he doesn't at least – playoffs is one thing. But if he doesn't at least make a deep run in the playoffs with over the next two or three years, there's going to be a lot of people looking back and see, well, you had a good QB in Colin, you know, in Garoppolo that got you to the NFC Championship game and loss. It got you a Super Bowl and was one bad throw away from winning it. So this kid better be the second coming of Patrick Mahomes or fucking Aaron Rodgers. If not, them Shanahan's are going to be look going to get have some hard looks from the ownership because they gave up a lot to get that kid. And I think they wanted Mac Jones more so than Trey Lance. It was much more of a proven commodity. You got a really unproven commodity. He better hit because if it's, if he don't and you don't have Jimmy G and he's not good, (laughs) (laughs) they're going to lose their jobs over this one. I, I, I feel you and you're right. You know, I think, I think they're going to do, I think they're going to be dynamic in the sense where they probably take the Mac Jones approach, how the New England started them off really nice, easy, safe throws. Don't get too complicated with it. And then as the season progressed, you really saw Mac Jones really start putting on the show. And I think Mac Jones is going to be a really, really good quarterback in this league for years to come. Oh, I think he's going to, I think he's going to have a hell of a season this this, next year. And I think I think if, but the only dynamic is with Trey Lance and his legs. I think that's where the RG, not the RG three, excuse me, the Lamar Jackson comparison will come into play. I don't think they're gonna make it so that it's a focal point. I take that back. I truly believe that the Niners will have a dynamic rushing attack if the offensive line is how it has been in the past. If their offensive line is rugged, I think they will run the ball. I think they will run the ball a lot. And I think you will see a lot of uh, 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 what the hell? Um, not play action. Read RPOs. Yeah, yeah, a lot of RPOs. Um, but I also see that you might see uh, Lance pull it and run it sometimes just because you have to respect that he can run the ball. And if you don't respect it, just like how Kaepernick did back in the day when he was on fire. Even teams understood that he could do it. 
And just like Lamar Jackson is doing it now, Lamar will still get you 100 and something yards a game running. And no matter how much our boy Shad might hate it, you got to respect that he can do that sort of thing. And if Trey Lance could do that and stay healthy, the 49 is going to be lethal. Yeah, it's unproven at this point, but we definitely are looking forward to see what Trey Lance does. Um, my question is really where does that leave Jimmy G and where is he going to go? Um, I think that's really just going to be the interesting um, asset because you know San Fran is, of course, is moving on for the future. So I'm more intrigued in what they're going to do as far as Jimmy G is concerned. I can see them, like, to be honest, I really don't see that many teams out there that's really gunning for him at the moment. You would think that Seattle, for one, would be an opportunity for him to go. but there are so many teams that hasn't reached out in regards to his services yet. I think and, ultimately, right. I think ultimately the Niners aren't going to get any trades and they're just going to have to ultimately release them. Now, with that being said, I'm curious. This may sound weird. I know the Saints just signed Jameis to a one year something deal. And they still got Taysom Hill, but I think they're really now going to convert him to a tight end. You trying to tell me if he wouldn't be a nice spot in, in, in New Orleans with all that talent and all that experience? As a that would be – that's if Jameis is really sticking up the place. Well, well, yeah, well, yeah. That would be if. a – yeah, if. There's a big if. That's if the 49ers are willing to hang on to him and pay him his salary, one. I mean, and technically they could based off of the rookie salary that uh, Trey Lance is on. So it's not like they're going to be handicapped with uh, with trying to pay Jimmy this season. But that would be a really dynamic landing place for him. And then you also have um, – I heard somebody say Tampa Bay. And have him be a, t- a backup in Tampa. <clears throat> if, if I'm him, I, I based on the experience that you have, and you're right, you're probably not going to get any offers because any team that's lying in wait is probably just going to wait for the 49ers to cut them so mm-hmm. they don't have to pay any, they don't have to trade and give up anything. Um, yeah, Saints, but I think he wants to go to a place where he's going to have opportunity to start. He ain't starting in Tampa Bay. Um, no. Texans, could be an option. The Saints, if Sean Payton was there, maybe since he's going, I don't know, but you know, we'll have to see what that goes. But I agree, there are probably several teams out there that can probably utilize them. Mm-hmm. I thought Seattle, but I, I, I seriously doubt the Niners are trading. In, in, no, in the Seattle's probably, if anything, Seattle's probably waiting for him to get released, right, and then scoop him up. Okay. I'm trying to I mean, think of any other squads, though. Well, we know that Carolina is not, no longer an option because now they uh, right. fire Baker Mayfield. <laughs> so. I mean, the Browns. The Browns are there. I mean, there's the possibility with the Browns. But he's not going to. They're going to go. They're going to go with uh, um, Jacoby Brissett. I mean, I, I think they, they, they established that at this particular point. Um, for now, Brissett is going to be the fill-in until. Um, Deshaun Watson becomes available. So 
Um, if he becomes available. <laughs> <laughs> well, even if that's the case, Brissett is all is going to be the backup no matter what. Right. So I don't see them bringing in um, Jimmy G for that. Um, I think, like you said, it's just really just where he gets that opportunity to start. And it's re- it's not that many teams out there that's available at the moment. <sighs> Jimmy G, Jimmy G, Jimmy G. <laughs> I told you he was going to still be with the squad come training camp, man. Sure enough, this yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, you're right. But he damn sure ain't starting. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're right about that. He, he you got to go so the best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah. Best of both worlds. They were um, like, thank quick. you. But <laughs> <laughs> real quick, um, let me get your thoughts on Baker Mayfield going to Carolina. Um, finally, he, that saga is now complete. Uh, Baker now got his wish, and he's now out of Cleveland and is now down in Carolina where he will be competing um, for his starting role. I don't think he, they made it official who's the QB number one yet, but I'm pretty sure that it's Baker's job to lose at this point. I mean, you got – he's going against ghosts, and they're going against that uh... – <laughs> The other rookie QB that I think they have, or the first first year QB, uh, it should be his. I mean, I, I'm happy for Baker because he's gotten out of that toxic situation. Yeah, you know, all the kid did was lead them to the playoffs the one season. Was trying to was playing hurt damn near all of last season. Was still trying to be that dude, but obviously, you know, he's just not respected. You know, and. Uh, I hope he. I hope he's able to redeem himself and 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 really do something special in Carolina. Because I like I like Baker because he he reminds me of Favre. He has that that gunslinger mentality. Like you know, nothing's going to phase him, but he's just not winning. If 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 Favre were winning, I'm sorry. If Baker were winning, nobody would really care that he throws all those interceptions and does kind of stupid things. Because Favre threw a ton of interceptions too, but the dude just kept winning. He was, so, he was he's the New York version of um, the New York Brett Favre. <laughs> <laughs> well, that one season, yeah, you know, it was pretty good. Or the Minnesota yeah. version, <laughs> right. yeah, the Minnesota version. There you go, <laughs> even yeah. better. <laughs> nah, it's and, gonna be that. That's gonna be interesting QB competition. Um, I'm not gonna say it's. I think it is. The starting position over time is Baker Mayfield's to lose, but I would not be surprised if Sam Darnold starts at the, the first game. Um, he's he been there a year, has a better right. command of the playbook. Um, so I could see a situation where he starts, but that's a QB headache lying in the weeds for the organization because if you start Baker Mayfield, that could quiet some of the stuff. But if you start Sam Darnold, Sam Darnold actually looks good in 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 um, preseason and in training camp. And then you put him out there, he's going to have a short leash. The first interception he throws or the first bad read he does, they're looking to yank him and put in Baker Mayfield. And the question is going to be, when is Baker Mayfield going to start? When is ba- Baker Mayfield going to start? So in order to quiet a QB controversy, the Carolinas might almost be forced to push Baker out there if he's not ready yet. Because if you put him out there, there's really no QB controversy because Sam Darnold sucks and Matt Carroll just got there. So, I mean. Right, right. But if you put Sam Darnold out there and they can be like, well, you just did all this to bring him in here. 
how long before. So that's an interesting, that's going to be an interesting training camp. Yeah. But ooh, I, ooh, ooh. don't forget, don't forget, week one, they play, play the Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a good game. That is going to be the most intriguing game to watch. Uh, before we round this up, Smooth, um, how would you like to see uh, Jimmy G in that there blue? Blue? Oh, Giants. <laughs> I'm yeah. just saying your QB is not all that great, and Jimmy G's out there. I mean, you got a halfway decent squad. You got some, you know, you got if some Dave, if, if, But like this, if Dave Gutterman was still running the show, that that might that wouldn't shock me. However, they got some brand new boys in there, and they're they want to put their own pieces in place. No, they're going to go for something young. They'll ride out with you know with Daniel Jones and go get a new QB in the draft if he fizzles out. Yeah, but what was Daniel Jones? What are you trying to say? Isn't this is a they didn't pick up the fifth year option, right? Nope. So he's playing. This is his fifth year. Yep. So Jimmy would be on the cheap if they picked him up and then they, they could use Jimmy as a as a bridge as a QB if you guys go out there and really have that crappy season that you're hoping that you want. They don't want to screw up anything if they have a crappy season and jack them off with a high draft pick. It could be like the 49ers when they got Jimmy G. He might come in there all of a sudden start winning games and then now your draft pick. They want their own QB. They want a fresh young QB out of college. They don't want to retread. <laughs> but you just said it yourself. He took you to the Super Bowl. He took you to the NFC Championship. That's for y'all. That's not a... <laughs> <laughs> we don't got those pieces in place that can do that. If we were a QB away from doing that, I would consider that. Mm-hmm. But they got a whole lot of other things to, to worry about. Hold up. You got a halfway decent Saquon still. You got you Evan Ingram. <laughs> you got Evan Ingram tied in. Is he still there? I thought I thought she thought he's still there. No, I could be wrong. He might be still And you got some halfway decent receivers? We're not a QB away. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, Trust no. me. The Giants are not a QB away. <laughs> no to Jimmy G. Hell they are in rebuild mode. They are not <laughs> they ain't that close. Oh, I hear you, man. And we can talk more about <laughs> we can talk more about the NFL um, this upcoming season, OTAs, preseason. We still got a lot to talk about. There's some transactions out there that we still haven't touched on yet. But for right now, we're going to call it a day, and we're going to cut it off here. We'd like to thank everybody for checking us out. Um, but, fellas, let them know where they can find you at. Uh, you can find me on Snap. Snapchat, Twitter, and the gram at J.E. Ross, the number seven. Uh, you can find me at uh, eight, oh, excuse me, Cat Daddy 1963. That's Cat Daddy 1963 on Twitter. And of course, you can find me Twitter, Instagram, I am Al Qualls. Twitter and Instagram, I am Al Qualls. You can also catch guys talking sports as we are live on YouTube. We're live on Twitch. We are live on Twitter Live. Um, we like to thank everybody for checking us out. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you subscribe and show some love, show some appreciation. Uh, we really do appreciate all the love and support out there. Um, but right now, we got to go because it is late. And until next time, next week, 
where we still talk guys talking sports. We appreciate all the love and support out there for now. But for now, God bless. Have a blessed week. Stay safe out there. These streets are still cold. Um, and again, free Britney Griner, please. And we still got to talk about some of the stuff that's going on in the sports world. Um, the Liz Cambridge thing with the LA Sparks we haven't touched on. We got a lot to talk about, but we are back. So until next time, you guys take care. God bless. Have a good one. One.